Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, and we have brought the Element Wealth Studios down to downtown Jackson on High Street. We're at Carter Jewelers. That's because Mother's Day is uh, just around the corner this Sunday. Rhino Safe and Sound back in Super Talk headquarters will be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday Eve. Heck dang yeah. We have made it to Friday Eve. Uh, don't forget, I'm going to be going north tomorrow. We'll pack up the Element Well Studios and transport it to Itawamba Community College in Fulton, Mississippi, not too far from your home there in Tupelo for the 2023 spring graduation. You'll hear about all of the great things going on at ICC. That's Middays Live at Itawamba Community College tomorrow, this Friday. And, of course, Sunday is Mother's Day. That's why you need to come down here to Carter Jewelers and make your selections. Nothing would be of greater surprise than a nice piece of jewelry for Mom on Mother's Day. I hope you celebrate that with your mother. And uh, if she is still with us, and if not, that you recognize and reflect on your mother, of course. You ain't got but one, and what a critical role mothers and motherhood plays in our society. No doubt about that. And we should recognize that. So yesterday was a pretty weird day. In Washington, even by Washington standards, so much going on. It was a weird day. So you got Senator Dianne Feinstein returning to the Senate, 89 years old. She has been absent since February. I'm looking at a photo of her here, Rhino, and she is being wheeled into the Senate on a wheelchair accompanied by what looks like her aide pushing the wheelchair. And to her side is uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York. So she's back and was surrounded by photographers, videographers, aides, etc. She was ushered into the chamber. Also, you've got... 
the former president, Donald Trump, charged with crimes of his own, liable for sexual abuse in a civil case. And he conducted a town hall on CNN. I watched it. About an hour, 15 minutes or so. CNN, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, it was fascinating, honestly, on CNN. And I got to applaud CNN for having the former president in New Hampshire. The uh, Let's see, will that be the first or second state in the Republican primary? I think it's the Democrats that switched it up and have named South Carolina as the first state. used to be historically Iowa. I think the Republicans are still Iowa and then New Hampshire, if I'm not mistaken, Rhino. You might want to check me on that. But that's why he was in New Hampshire. He's coming up quick, the primary. And the audience was mostly Republicans, if not all Republicans and independents. You got also meetings between the president and uh, members of Congress concerning the debt ceiling. And we're about to run out of money. They've got to do something about that or we will default on our debt. You've got really what I think were bombshell, revelational, significant discoveries in the House of Representatives with respect to the Biden family and their improprieties, namely getting paid to play by foreign actors. It's, this looks clear to me. I thought Representative Comer in um, of Kentucky, who oversees the committee that's investigating all this, I thought it was did a really good job and had a, a really fascinating, easy to understand chart that depicted the flow of funds, Rhino, between China and the Biden family and how they got filtered through all the parties. But it's millions. Looks like 10 million to be exact. More than 20 companies. So what you get out of the left is, well, Donald Trump's family made money from foreign... Yeah, but that's their business. That was for, that was for business activity. Business value. That's the business they're in. The Bidens aren't in this business. They're not in any business. The business of shaking down foreign actors to enrich themselves illegally. That's the business they're in. So, and then you've got George Santos, Republican from New York in the House. That's now been charged with all sorts of, I think, 13 charges, if I'm not mistaken, including unemployment fraud. And tax felony charges, tax fraud, felony tax fraud. So you got that going on. Um, and, and you've got some queries going on there with respect to that. Uh, just a lot in one day. But here's what I noticed. So quick, quick recap. You got Trump doing a town hall in New Hampshire on CNN. You got Diane Feinstein returning to the US Senate. You got George Santos being accused being charged with 13 uh, counts. I think I don't know if all of them are felonies, but 13 serious charges. You have got the debt ceiling situation and Title 42 ending today. 
We have averaged, by the way, according to the Department of Homeland Security, 10,000 migrants a day this week in a flood approaching. And the Biden administration says there's no problem. It's not an issue. But what I noticed was that not a peep, Rhino, not a peep out of the left-wing media. Zero coverage of the Biden scandal yesterday. Zero. None. All over the Santos deal. I mean, this guy, it's a big deal, I agree. It's a member of Congress. Should be reported on, as we have. But to just dominate your coverage, your airtime, with coverage of him and zero on the president? This is what hacks people off about the mainstream media that, you'll have to say, Trump, I think, did a yeoman's job in pointing out just the, the corruption and the bias of the mainstream media. Mainstream media, pardon me. The um, Trump's performance yesterday, uh, you know, it, here's what's weird. I think both sides are celebrating. I really do. I think the Republicans think Trump just just blew it away. Just absolutely was a rock star. Knocked it out of the park. I've seen reports from the left, from the from those who, of course, would support the Democrat nominee who looks like it would be Joe Biden at this point. They're celebrating. They think Trump just bombed it. How can you watch the same event and come away with two different opinions? And this is what else I decided to do, <laughs> uh, which was really painful. They had post-town hall coverage on CNN panel discussion. It was like two and a half hours. It was two and a half hours analyzing an hour and 15 minute town hall discussion. And it wasn't a debate. And it wasn't uh, like a moderated event. It was just questions, kind of like an interview, if you will, by the CNN uh, reporter there, Caitlin, her name escapes me, um, that Trump called nasty. <laughs> he got mad at her uh, because she. She honestly, she was more debating him than he was, than she was asking questions to just gain information, and and that was inappropriate. I don't I don't think that's what the way that should work, but she did. She really just pounded on him as if she herself was debating him, as opposed to just asking questions and. So we can get answers to those questions. She didn't do it that way. We got more to talk about that. There's some fact-checking on that. Some uh, just thoughts about whether or not this did help Trump. Did it or did it help the Democrats? But it's time for a break here in the Element Well Studios at Carter Jewelers. When we return, Josh Henriksen, Chair of the Department of Economics and Associate Professor of Economics at the University of Mississippi, will talk about the debt ceiling and other economic matters. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do it. 
Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi, live today from Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. It's Mother's Day sale. Joining us now, Josh Hendrickson, chair of the Department of Economics and associate professor of economics at the University of Mississippi. Good morning, Professor. Thanks for joining us on Middays. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. So we have been uh, talking quite a bit about this debt ceiling ordeal that is uh, being deliberated in Washington. And I guess after several months, finally got the parties, the decision makers, at least in the same room, that being at the White House a couple of days ago to discuss uh, uh, this potential default and uh, where the parties stand on trying to resolve uh, this issue. You've been tracking that? Yes. What do you What do you think? So the Republicans come in with uh, a proposal. They have passed a, a bill. It's some 300 pages. Limit, Save, Grow Act is how it is titled. And it calls for some... Really, what I would say are, are fairly moderate spending cuts, uh, most of which uh, cuts spending that we haven't even incurred yet, just future spending. But I guess the biggest um, item on the list is returning to the spending level of 2022 and then imposing a 1% cap on that, on future spending, which is essentially... Uh, reducing the amount of future increases is what it boils down to. Uh, uh, this this is where they stand. The Democrats really haven't offered a more specific plan. They've called for a no-strings-attached bill to increase the debt ceiling. Is that kind of the way you've analyzed it at this point? Yeah, so I think the only reason that uh, you would ever want to even have a debt ceiling is if you're going to periodically use that as an opportunity to think about what the priorities of the government are and how much debt that the government's accumulating. And so mm -hmm. the idea that um, we should just raise the debt ceiling without doing anything um, kind of defeats the purpose of having a debt ceiling in the first place. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense, and that's that's been around for a while. I think this country is one of maybe only a couple that have a debt ceiling that is expressed uh, in 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 dollar value, in currency value. The others, I, I believe, have one, but it is it is uh, issued in. Um, established, I should say, as a percentage of GDP. Once you hit a certain percentage of GDP, you, you can't uh, raise the debt ceiling or you can't borrow any more money without raising that or having some sort of action by the government. We're a little unique in that respect. We're also somewhat unique, are we not, Professor, in that our debt is greater than 100% of our GDP. Yeah, so for a lot of countries, I mean, they don't even have to impose a debt ceiling, the, the market sort of imposes a debt ceiling on them. I mean, the one thing that makes the United States different is that because the dollar is the uh, global reserve currency and because, um, you know, a lot of uh, foreign banks and foreign governments and things like that hold uh, U.S. treasuries uh, as an asset on their balance sheet, uh, there's just a greater demand for our debt than there is for, for other countries. But yeah. we're at a point where we actually have to start, you know, taking this seriously because, even though we have that privilege, that privilege isn't guaranteed. And also, I mean, if you look at uh, what we're spending money on, uh, interest payments on the debt are approaching the same dollar value as what we spend on national defense. 
Yeah, and that yeah. Uh, just that, that's that's a point where you're reaching you know uh, unsustainable levels of debt. Yeah, and that uh, is as long as we keep borrowing money and interest rates stay yep. a bit elevated, that scenario is going to continue. I think we're on track this year for about what six hundred billion in interest payments, and um, our defense appropriation is about eight hundred and fifty billion. But uh, those lines are going to cross uh, pretty soon here uh, to the point where interest may be the number one spending line item in the budget. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, the, it's the line item that's, uh, you know, rising most dramatically. And I think that if you, you know, if you look at the debt, I mean, to some extent, you know, we have to be careful about how we think about governments because governments, uh, at least we hope, like live a lot longer than any one of us. And so they can potentially take on, you know, uh, lots of debt. But historically, when they would take on lots of debt, this was because of like a, a war or something like that. You know, like World yeah. War II happens, you take on a bunch of debt. And, but then the war ends, and then you kind of pay this off over time. I mean, what we're seeing now is we're seeing um, levels uh, of government debt that are associated with, you know, permanent spending. And yeah. so if it's associated with permanent spending, um, you know, those levels of debt are not going to be sustainable because there's nothing that's coming off the spending side of the balance sheet naturally. Uh, you know, right. Medicaid is not going to end tomorrow. Um, you know, we're not. You know, there there are lots of government programs that are already uh, in existence and and are expected to exist in perpetuity. And so, if that's the case, uh, you know, we can't. You know, we can't count on any future event just allowing us to have a, a sort of dramatic reduction in spending. And so, we've got to start thinking about the priorities of this country, what we want the government to do. And we have to start taking the sustainability of our debt seriously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the uh, the dilemma, as I see it, just looking at the numbers here, is the CBO has revised upward the outlook for the deficit this year. Uh, we, we're already just under a trillion in deficit spending for the first half of the year. Now, you can't necessarily uh, extrapolate that and annualize that dollar for dollar because it really depends on timing of income um, coming into the government as well. But uh, it looks like right now we're headed for about $1.75 trillion, the latest estimates, uh, early the early estimates before the year started by the CBO, or at the time the fiscal year began, October 1. We're coming in at about 1.4, so it looks like we're at 1.7, but our discretionary spending is is pretty close to that figure. We'd have to eliminate 100% of discretionary spending just to eliminate the deficit. Yeah, and that's what I mean by you know getting to the point where it's unsustainable. Um, you know, when you start looking at the budget, uh, we're at a point where when you look at the budget, there's no obvious thing that we can. You remove or cut that puts us on a much more sustainable trajectory. We're talking about eliminating large amounts of spending, um, you know, if we want to, to rein in the deficit. And it's also important to keep in mind that, you know, politicians like to tout, you know, uh, deficit reduction. But deficit reduction just means the debt is growing at a slower rate. It doesn't mean that the debt is actually declining. Right. But is it not true, though, uh, Professor, that until we get to a point where we're not producing a deficit, for the most part, we're still adding to the debt. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, there, there's, I, there's some work around with that for some other, other sources and other programs and so forth that make up the debt. But for the most part, as long as we're spending in the red, we're adding to the debt. Yes. That's just uh, upside down. Uh, do you think there's ever a situation where we'll see any serious reform to mandatory spending, which uh, now, uh, including interest, comprises about 70% of total spending. As you know, that requires 60 votes in the Senate to get past the filibuster. I don't know that we'll, we'll see a scenario where where that could ever occur. And, and both sides of the aisle say we can't touch mandatory programs. That limits it to discretionary. And the Republicans say we can't touch defense. And the Democrats say we can't touch uh, non-defense discretionary. We're pretty limited on that basis. Yeah, and, and and this is particularly concerning because uh, if you're if you're not going to cut spending and if you're not going to raise taxes, um, eventually what this is going to lead to is it's going to lead to um, you know the Federal Reserve buying up more of the debt and effectively monetizing the debt, and so you're and and so that's not costless. When the Federal Reserve buys up the debt and they monetize the debt, then we get uh, higher inflation, and inflation, so then people yeah. pay for it through you know. Um, Higher prices of goods and services, and so right. um, and uh, and also we don't want to get to that point because we don't want you know um, the the way our system was set up. It's set up so that the Federal Reserve would be independent of the political process. But at a certain point, if you accumulate too much debt, you know um, it, it's going to be difficult for the Federal Reserve to maintain that independence because they're going to have to step in and sort of be a buyer of last resort for for government bonds, which is to a great extent is what they have been doing. Uh, certainly during the, the COVID era when we spent about $6 trillion in, uh, in deficit for, as a deficit, well, which included some quantitative easing, not just deficit, that's exactly what happened. So that's injected all that money into the economy, and now we got rampant inflation. Yeah, exactly. That's already what we've experienced is uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the debt that was being issued by uh, the federal government during the, the pandemic yep. was purchased by the Federal Reserve. Yeah, unbelievable. Professor, really appreciate you coming on and enlightening us on all those uh, details and complexities, and hope to talk to you again uh, soon, sir. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Professor Josh Hendrickson, Chair of Department of Economics and Associate Professor of Economics at Ole Miss, has been our guest on Middays. We're in the Element Well Studios at Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Coming right back. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays live from Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. Coming up on the program at 10.50, we'll have Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers, and then a couple of more times during the broadcast at 12.05, David Ostrander, a realtor. We'll talk about these new mortgage rules, and there is an update on that, Rhino. Maybe a little glimpse of common sense coming into play. On the ceasefire text line, 
I believe I'll just raise the ceiling on my Capital One if it's that easy. Actually, that is pretty easy. If you uh, have been a customer for a while and you've handled your your credit, uh, your evolving credit card with Capital One in a uh, in a responsible manner, you should ask them if you want that. You want an increase of your your limit on your on your card. And they'll probably grant it to you in that case. So Mose asks a good question. Says, what would a 10% reduction of spending do? Uh, what would be the effect is the way he, he termed it. And so I asked, a 10% reduction of what spending specifically? Not, not trying to avoid the question, just it, I think it's important to distinguish between mandatory and discretionary. He said, all programs, all budget items. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> if we cut all programs, all budget items, now remember, that means Social Security gets cut by 10%, Medicare gets cut by 10%, Medicaid gets cut by 10%, interest gets cut by 10%, which we really can't do, so the 10% of our interest would have to be allocated across the other programs. And then 10% of all discretionary spending. That would amount to about $600 billion a year. Our deficit, again, is on track to be $1.7 trillion. So that, of course, do the math there, means we would still produce a $1.1 trillion deficit. Think about that. Cut 10% means a $1.1 trillion deficit. So what you'd have to do is cut spending 30%. 30% to balance the budget. So every time you hear these politicians say, I'm going there to balance the budget, okay, that means you're either going to raise income, generate more income, Usually that's accomplished by increasing taxes, but if you say, nope, I'm not for increasing taxes, I'm going to balance the budget by cutting spending. Okay, you got to cut 30% today. That's not taking into consideration any sort of changes in debt expense, but that 30% means you got to go to every Social Security and Medicare recipient and say we're cutting you by 30%. What would be the likelihood that such a candidate could get elected? Zero. They get laughed out. They probably better surround themselves with security. Folks will be coming after them. That's where we are. So a couple other ways of looking at it. Mose, if, if you looked at just discretionary, because both Republicans and Democrats, including Donald Trump, last night says we cannot touch mandatory spending, the 70% of what we spend, we cannot touch. We can only focus on the 30%. Okay. That's divided virtually evenly between defense and all the rest of government, all the other government agencies. We read them out the other day, EPA, education, justice, state, DHS, Social Security Administration, not Social Security Benefits, the, the organization that administers it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so if you cut 
the entire Department of Defense, let's just say we don't have any military, still have a $700 billion deficit. Let's say you cut all the other bureaucracy agency complex of government, but you left defense intact and you didn't touch mandatory spending. Still have a trillion dollar deficit. So it, it's gotten so almost unmanageable. And so it's really anybody that says with any degree of sincerity, I'm going to Washington to balance the budget, I want to see their plan. Because that means you would have to cut spending, if you did it across the board, by 30%. 30%. 30%. Go to Social Security recipients and say, we're cutting your benefits by 30%. you got no chance of getting elected. It's just incredible. And it just doesn't seem like anyone wants to be honest about these these mathematical realities. They don't want to dig into that, and, and most people don't want to hear it. Smo says, so 30% cut in spending and 10% increase in taxes to have a prayer of paying off the debt. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. But that's assuming, Moe's, that the 10% increase in taxes produces more revenue. And that's a, a risky assumption. We've become so numb to the figure trillion, says Louie from the 662, we have no clue. If you spend $1,000 a day, it would take you over 2,600 years to reach a trillion. Wow. You're right about that, Louie. I totally agree with you. We have become sensitized, desensitized to these huge numbers, these trillion-dollar figures. We just kind of toss them around like they're petty cash. I, I agree with you. Rhett and Ridgeland wants us to know that 10 years ago, my wife said yes to an engagement ring from Carter's while I kneel beneath the Walk of Champions Arch. Next Wednesday will be nine years of marriage. That's fantastic, Rhett, and congratulations to you and your wife. That is so awesome. Pretty cool story. Thomas and Greenwood asks, does that town hall affect DeSantis' decision to enter the race? I don't think so. I really don't. I think DeSantis is getting in. I don't know if he can win or not. The nomination, here's something I think we ought to be aware of. Because Trump made it very clear last night that the 2020 election, as far as he's concerned, was stolen. And he, and he gave his reasons for that. He said there were government cameras that stuff or captured ballot stuffing and all that kind of stuff. And, and then it was Caitlin Collins, by the way, was the moderator. I don't know if it would be a moderator of a town hall as much as it was. She was engaged in, the de in debating the former president, I thought. But she said, you know, there were 60 cases that vetted all this, and none of them, none of them found that to be the case. And he didn't really respond to that. Here's the reason I'm bringing that up. Because I know, for example, Louie from the 662 said, no, it wasn't Louie. Joe from Summerall, pardon me, said, from the small amount of the town hall that I've seen, I love every answer Trump gave. And I'm pretty sure his base there did as well. In addition, one of the questions to the focus group was, why do you think Trump will not let 2020 go? And a guy answered, well, the media won't let it go. That was the first question you asked of him.
Yeah, um, I think the, the media seems to be more focused on January 6th, in my view, and Trump's more focused on the election. Now, I know the two are somewhat inextricably linked. And Trump also said that he those people that invaded the Capitol were absolutely patriots, and he said that he would forgive most of them as well. He would acquit them, those that have been charged. And he said it was a beautiful day or something to that effect. Here's the point of that in my view. While, Joe, I hear you, and I think most people in Mississippi probably felt the same way. Just I think it's still largely a pro-Trump state. But as far as getting elected in 2024, what we think Mississippi is irrelevant. He's, whoever the Republican candidate is is going to win. It only matters, once again, in six states, really four more specifically, but you could argue six. It only, and it only matters in a few counties in those. And it only matters to the independents that can vote either party, that don't have uh, uh, loyalty to either party. That's where it's won and lost. So the question is, how did Trump do in those handful of counties with those voters in those handful of counties, assuming they watch, because most people don't watch CNN. I think they did this, by the way, they're getting blasted by AOC uh, and Democrats are, I just got a report, Rhino, they're blasting the um, the head honcho over there at CNN, a guy named Chris Licht. He faced, quote, a fury of criticism <laughs> from the network itself, from employees of the network saying, why did you give this guy a platform to spew more lies, is what they said. But I think it's honestly, I think it's because their their ratings are in the tank. And they needed something to get people to watch. I'm an example. I don't generally watch CNN, but I did want to tune in and watch that town hall last night in New Hampshire, which, by the way, is the second state where the presidential primary will be held. That's still the case in for Republicans. Um, so we are stepping aside for a break right here. It's middays. We're in the Element Well Studios in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. Come see us. Jerry Lake up next. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live from Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. Come by and see us. We're here because Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday. Jay Lake, owner of Carter Jewelers, here in the Element Well Studios. All right, we got the balloons all set up. Ready to see some folks come in here and pop those things. What do they get, Jay, when they do that? Good morning, uh, George. This this uh, sale, you get an extra 10 to 30% off with the balloon pop. Off the sale prices already. Dad's okay. gone through and uh, marked down the. He spent the past two days just marking down engagement rings, uh, all a huge selection of engagement rings, uh, from the smallest to the most expensive. He's he's marked them down. Wow. And uh, we're also giving away a twenty-five dollar gift card to uh, to uh, Howl Mouse. Okay. For, uh, you can take your mom or your wife and uh, 
enjoy yourself for $25 over there. Get They have a new chef over there that he... He used to be the Country Club of Jackson chef, and I heard about that. He yeah. owns it now, and uh, I heard it was delicious. I haven't been been there yet, but uh, I heard their Bud Light is delicious there. <laughs> Very good Bud Light. <laughs> um, so is uh, this a big time for engagement rings? I mean, it's Mother's Day, so it's not really a Mother's Day gift. It, no, no, it's not as not as big, but uh, you know. You never know when love hits, and um, For sure. people are going to be needing engagement rings all, all, all the time, right? And uh, but we do, we have everything else is on sale uh, still, and uh, I've gone through and marked down a lot of the sterling silver. That's about the two hundred dollar or less range. I, yeah, I've marked all that down, and and you still get the 10, 10 to thirty percent off off that, and and we gift wrap it, and uh, you still get the twenty five dollars. So you, we have we have pieces for, you know, twenty five dollars. You get the twenty five dollars piece of jewelry you get gift wrapped and you get the uh 25 coupon so it's a great great deal so what's the selection look like you in good shape pretty massive uh i'd say we're probably the biggest in the uh in the city in the state and mm -hmm. uh i know we're the oldest in the uh in jackson oldest business in jackson and uh third oldest in the united, united states 1849 wow we were established um the only thing older than us here is the police department and most and many of the churches. Uh, Interesting. We, we've been here a long time in, uh, in the down, downtown area. And uh, we have one store in Vicksburg, uh, right. Pemberton Square, right next to Kroger over there. And that store is not, you know, about a fourth of this store. Uh, they have some good people over there and good selection. And uh, they'll, they, have a, they also have an in-house jeweler like we do, and they can size the rings and uh, inspect them and keep them cleaned up and uh, re-tipped and uh, tight, diamonds tightened. And we do recommend you come in about every three or four months and have that done, whether it's our piece or yeah. someone else's uh, yeah. come in. So one thing I observe and always note on the show here, uh, Jay, is that the continuity of your team, you know, same folks are here, and that that's important for people get uh, yeah, accustomed because I know you got a lot of repeat customers and so forth that come in, but uh, when you are able to retain folks, that means you're you're treating them right. Oh and, yeah, and honestly, they do a good job for you. I can't think of a better place to work. Uh, it's fun. Uh, you get to talk to people and uh, establish a nice relationship with our customers. Uh, get to know them. And uh, Dorothy says she loves working here, and, and uh, she's she's probably our newest one. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we have Tina. She's been here for for a long, long time. And uh, Lakeitha and, and Sherry, they they uh, they like it here too. They they seem to love it and can't yeah. like chase people off here. <laughs> and I watch them interact with the customers. They're they're so attentive and and uh, so empathetic with them, trying to understand what it is they're looking for and help them out and mm -hmm. guide them in the right direction. And they always walk out with smiles on their faces. Yes, yeah, I can tell. They love people <laughs> and uh, and the the wives and the moms. They love jewelry. So yeah. And the the mom's happy, and the the dad's happy, and and the whole family's happy. Uh, well, uh, it's a piece of joy that you can pass down to your daughters and sure. and your sons, and uh, and then and they last good last for, for generations. What's well, Mother's Day? What's popular for mothers? Well, uh, diamond hearts are good, and, and crosses have been good, and the pendants, and uh, if they already have an earrings and pendant selection, you can go to the the diamond bracelet cover their wrist with uh, diamond bracelets, and you, you can get two or three of those on the on the wrist. Some ladies have five of them on there. They, wow. You know, you stack them, and uh, diamond earrings are always good. You, you know, I'll, 
they usually like to get at least a carrot on each ear. And uh, then, you know, if you want to go two two on each ear, you know, that's pretty usually pretty good, solid uh, earrings. And uh, we have a, we got a lot of the lab, they make the lab-created ones now, and you can get those for a lot less than uh, the natural ones. And they're real diamonds, and they last just as long as a regular diamond. You, you can't, no one can tell the difference, not the, not the gemologist, not the jeweler, nobody. And uh, they are real diamonds, and they are made in the lab. And they, uh, they're beautiful, and the prices are a lot gotcha. less. Jay, appreciate you having us here today, as sure. always. And we got the Mother's Day balloon pop sale going on. We're on High Street in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. We're stepping aside for a break. It's time for Fox News Super Talk News. We're coming right back. Stay with us. talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone hour two of middays is live in the element well studios at carter jewelers today in downtown jackson that's because it's mother's day coming up this sunday mother's day sale underway in progress here at carter jewelers hope you folks will take care of your mothers uh i hope your mother's still around first and foremost and if so i hope, hope you take care of her we should certainly be respectful and reflect on the critical role mothers make in our society and fathers but this is Mother's Day coming up wholesale prices the producer price index is how the Bureau of Labor Statistics terms it rose just 0.2 percent in April that's less than the estimate uh, the Dow Jones uh, estimated it would be 0.3%. Headline PPI rose just 2.3%. That's down from 27 in March. The good news is this is the lowest reading since January 2021. Jobless claims jumped to 264,000. That's the highest reading of that figure, of that measurement, since October 21, in a year and a half, roughly. So the markets don't exactly know what to do with this information. They're bouncing around, but generally speaking, down. Now, they're down because of uh, the jobs report is one thing that they didn't like. That uh, sort of indicates a recession is, is coming at us. They weren't crazy about that. They like the inflation data, but I think that's baked in because they're still expecting the Fed to maybe pause. I think that's the general consensus at the next meeting in June uh, with interest rates. But 
I think there's a feeling that the market overall is over uh, overbought, not oversold, overbought. And what I mean by that is folks are relying too much on equities to continue to increase the market overall trading at about 20x um, trailing earnings and 19x future predicted earnings, and that's a little rich. And I think the investors are starting to back off a bit. And we're seeing yields and treasuries uh, decrease, and that's because there's a movement into treasuries from equity. So lots of um, lots of financial news going on to share with you. Ben from Madison says, in my opinion, CNN wants Trump to win the Republican primary because they know he stands little to no chance in the general. And Thomas and Greenwood shared a similar sentiment. And he shared a, a post from my good friend Russ Latino who, um, who says that why would CNN have Trump on? You know, Russ says, he opines that this gives, why would they let him come on and essentially run all over him is what he said, which took to, to some the perception at least was, the impression was he was having his way with Caitlin Collins, the moderator. But I got to give it to her. That's a hard job. I think she made it too much of a of a debate between her and him, honestly, rather than just being a more objective interviewer. So I, I disagree agree with the approach. But I give it to her that it didn't appear Trump intimidated her. It didn't appear that she was ready to back down. I just think her approach was was wrong. So Russ says same thing that. Uh, Ben said is it's because they want Trump to be the nominee because they believe he would be trounced, that being Trump, in the general. Um, I'm not sure. I understand what Russ is saying, and I believe that many on the left do share the sentiment, do hold the sentiment that Russ is pointing out. Um, I'm not sure Trump would get trounced in the general. They may think so. But they've got a bigger problem, I think, with uh, their nominee. I think that's the biggest issue, who's very vulnerable. But again, the crazy thing is, I'm a supporter of the Electoral College essentially electing our president. That's how it works. But the crazy thing is, the way the country has evolved, again, it's it just comes down to a handful of states. The rest of them are irrelevant. You just mark them in the books. California's blue. Mississippi, Oklahoma, it's red. New York's blue. Illinois's blue. Just go ahead and stick those electoral votes in the column for the respective parties, the candidates representing those parties. Just comes down to Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona. Georgia to some extent now. Certainly we saw that in the last cycle. But the curious thing about Georgia is that Governor Kemp, same time that he was um, up for election, same time that Herschel Walker was in the Senate, he got 400,000 more votes than Walker, which tells you that there were a lot of voters that liked Kemp as a Republican but didn't like Walker. It was a personal thing. So what that tells me is that the right candidate in Georgia as a Republican 
nominee for president could carry Georgia fairly easily. Kemp did uh, as the governor. 400,000 more. But it comes down to that. And and I just don't know at this point if we have any polls, any measurements of of how uh, this town hall went for Trump versus Biden as a potential matchup in the general. In those handful of states, handful as in less than one hand, count them on one hand, and then beyond that, look into the specific counties. It's just interesting to the way all that has, has um, kind of played out. Here's something to think about, though, with respect to Trump digging in, doubling down on his belief that the election was, was stolen, was rigged. He said that several times last night, talking about the 2020 election. Here's something to think about. What happens if it's he and, let's just say, for argument's sake today, it's Ron DeSantis. And, and I use him as the example because if you look at the rest of the field, clearly DeSantis uh, polls above the others who have announced. Uh, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, also former governor of South Carolina, and, of course, Vivek Ramaswamy, all have announced. I may have missed somebody there, Rhino, but all have announced and declared that they are candidates for president on the Republican side. But let's just say it gets down to DeSantis and Trump, and DeSantis wins. Will Trump claim that the election was rigged? My personal view is we'll never have another presidential election that the losing side doesn't claim that the winning side cheated. I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. I just think that's where we are. Each side is, either side's going to claim the other side cheated. And Trump was asked last night, I thought this was a relevant question, this was a good question on the part of Caitlin Collins, if, if he would accept the results of the 2024 election, if he lost. And he said, only if I believe the election was fair. So then you get into, okay, well, what's fair? What defines fair? I, you know, I would argue, and I hope he feels this way, that it means that every vote is accurately, is valid, and is accurately accounted for. Valid meaning there wasn't any impropriety going on and, and stuffing ballots and illegal forms of ballot harvesting and fabricating ballots through the absentee mail-in process, all the risks that exist as a result of our our election system. Um, but gosh, that I'm just not sure we'll ever have another one where the loser doesn't contend. So I, I know that I got asked today um, on the ceasefire text line, do I think the election was stolen? So I think in every election that there are inaccuracies. And the only time it ever matters is when it's close. I just think if you look at everything that has to come together to get to the point of the final count of every ballot, and I'm talking about from the registration process all the way through, there's a lot of opportunity for human error, and I think it happens. There's opportunity for electronic error as well, right? Uh, So I think they're all that way. When we come back, I'll talk about what I think is the more important takeaway from the 2020 election, other than yes or no, was it stolen? 
that I think we should focus on if we intend to unseat Democrat power and its hold on the White House. We'll talk about that when we return. We are at Carter Jewelers today in downtown Jackson for the Mother's Day sale. Come by and see us. We're coming right back. Super Talk Mississippi. Element Well Studios today in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. We thank you so much uh, for joining us. So, before we went to break, was just talking about what I think is more instructive and what we should be um, more concerned about, I guess. Certainly, if you want to flip the White House and replace Joe Biden succeed him with a Republican president is why are we not even coming close to winning the popular vote we're relying on this is why it's the path is so difficult for a Republican we're relying on what really are more traditional blue states and if you look at their state governments they're certainly blue states we're relying on them voting for a Republican in order to capture the necessary electoral votes. And if you look at what happened, and even if you think there was invalid votes, inaccuracies, Im improper votes, still a 7 million vote delta between the Democrat, Joe Biden, and the Republican, Donald Trump. Now that doesn't, obviously the, the popular vote doesn't translate to the electoral vote because that's the way the electoral college works. You win California, for example, you get 55 electoral votes. And the population of California is huge with 40 million. It is uh, roughly 13 times the size of the state of Mississippi which has six electoral votes. So, but when you look at the popular vote, you have to wonder, why are we not winning the hearts and minds, the Republican message, the conservative message? Why is it not winning the hearts and minds from a popular vote perspective of the country? And you can look at, at the 2016 election when Donald Trump did prevail. And he prevailed because... He won Michigan, he won Wisconsin, he won Pennsylvania. That, we've talked about it before. The folks on the um, left-leaning mainstream networks were literally virtually in tears. May have been in tears, Rhino. You may, may have actually seen that when they were having to call 
very sheepishly that Trump had carried. Pennsylvania seems to be the one that comes to mind more than any that just blew them away with 20, by the way, electoral votes. 20. Three and a half times as many as we have here in Mississippi. But that's what really, um, again, defied the odds in that you lost the popular vote because Trump lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton but won the electoral vote because of those so-called swing states that went in his favor. And that's how it was done. And I, and I attribute that to the fact that he went to those states and campaigned hard the weekend prior to the election. I think that's what did it for him. And Hillary stayed home. She didn't do anything. She was terrible. I submit a worse candidate than Joe Biden. But she still got most of the popular vote. She just didn't didn't win the necessary states to capture the electoral vote. Trump did mainly again because he he carried those four swing states: um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona. At that time, Georgia, because Georgia went in the Biden camp, as we discussed, sixteen electoral votes in Georgia. By the way. So I would like to think that the Republicans see this and are doing some soul-searching to try to figure out why is our message not more popular. And I know a lot of people will say because a lot, a lot of folks in this country are advocates for more government, more central planning, more socialism. Uh, especially of the economy, which still ranks quite high, the highest issue to voters, by far. Still at the top. I don't think it's socialism they want. I think it's what I call transferism. They don't really want the government intruding on their lives any more than conservatives do. They just want to take money away from one group, <laughs> confiscate it, and redistribute it to them. That's what they want. That's just transferism. We should not accept anything like January 6th or constant election with stolen claims. This is on the ceasefire text line. We are great and have been successful because we accept elections and move on for the good of the country. One interesting thing about statewide elections in the most recent finance report says Lieutenant Governor Hoseman with ten times more money on hand than McDaniel, but McDaniel raised over four times more than Hoseman in the last quarter. I, I think that's typically what you see, Ben, when you, you're sitting on a war chest, probably more focused on campaigning, less focused on raising money. But I think it, it'll probably remain that the gap, the ratio, fairly constant as that ten. Uh, 10x in the war chest. Also keep in mind that you've got an established elected official that had money going into it. I'm not a true conspiracy guy, but that, those numbers are crazy. They say Trump got 12 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, and Biden got 7 million more than that. I'd like a statistician to tell me the odds of that being even possible. I think that's real simple because we made it extremely easy to vote. Many states um, expanded their early voting, mail-in voting, and that's what the Democrats want permanently. But the states have a lot of control over that, and and so you're going to see that again. 
my personal belief is, this is from Jim in the Delta, by the way, my personal belief is just when you travel outside of Mississippi and outside of your echo chamber and you run into the vast majority of people that don't think like we do, don't share our views and beliefs, the vast majority. That's that's what concerns me. Why? And look at our college campuses. Good grief, we've talked about that extensively. Ninety-seven percent of the um, college faculty and administrators registered Democrats contribute to Democrat causes, and they're indoctrinating the kids on those campuses. I, I got some information to share with you later about Texas A&M, the latest with a sprawling DEI organization. We talked about the University of Texas and what's going on there last week. Now it's Texas A&M. They've been exposed. It's hard to believe. And if I'm not mistaken, Rhino, Texas A&M may be the largest public school in the country in terms of enrollment. Might take a look at that. Ohio State, I know, is right up there as well. Michigan. But that that's where I think it's happening. I can't tell you, folks, and I encourage you to do the same. The number of people in my social orbit that think like we do and are around my age range, all of whom have kids that are far left. Have you heard or seen, run into this anecdotally as well, Rhino, that the 50-something-year-olds with college and slightly above kids, they just have completely totally polarized views of uh, in political philosophy. Yeah, I mean, there is a bit of a pushback because it's typical adolescent psychology to want to buck the system and want to go against the norm and blaze your own trail and be your unique self. But it's weird because you would think, all right, well, the Democrats have had a stranglehold on the public narrative for a generation and a half, if not two generations. Yeah. Yet the youth don't seem to want to buck against them. They don't want to fight the man, fight the power. They'd rather just be lazy bums. I think that may be a lot of it. Um, I think they're also just more exposed to shall we say, non-traditional values uh, that, that uh, I guess we were ready. And every generation, right, gets a little, little, pushes the envelope out a little further, it seems, than the prior generation. I mean, you think about how the nation went crazy because Elvis got on Ed Sullivan and twerked his pelvis, right, a little bit. Today, we would laugh at that being considered inappropriate. For television, if you think about that as an example, um, heck, back in those days, uh, I, you wouldn't see a television program that that had a couple in the same bed as part of the program. I can't remember when the first time that happened, but I, that was like in the '60s. So we're stepping aside for a break right here on middays. We're in the Element Well Studios today at Carter Jewelers. Coming right back. Fans. It's time. 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays, Super Talk Mississippi, live from Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. It is uh, the big Mother's Day sale, the annual Mother's Day sale. The balloons are ready for you to come down and pop and receive additional discount layered onto the already low prices. Uh, the jewelry has been marked down as... Uh, Jay Lake just told us his father, Jerry Lake, went through the store marking everything down. So come on down and see us. In the Democratic Party, are they going to have debates? I heard they weren't. That's from Harbin Surveying, LLC. Yeah, the DNC thus far have said they do not intend to have debates, and you got to believe that is explicitly to protect their frontrunner, Joe Biden, because I don't think... He could do it. I mean, he did last time, last cycle, four years ago, well, three years ago, and it was weak. But um, I don't know if he could do it again. Actually, I guess it almost was four years ago because I think the first one was in August, if I'm not mistaken, of 19. Um, Thomas Greenwood just says, yeah, Ben Shapiro also believes that they're trying to get Trump as the nominee. CNN's trying to assist in that effort because they think he's more beatable in the general election. Rich in Biloxi says, in the land of children, you can't beat Santa. Wow, sure seems like it. Yes, the majority, this is Shaq Bully in Biloxi. Yes, the majority of kids are liberal-leaning. Conversely, the majority are grossly uninformed about national and global issues that directly affect their freedoms and way of life. They are blindly carrying on as sheep going to slaughter. You know, I think that's true to a great extent, Shaq Bully. I'm not so sure that I paid a lot of attention to those sorts of, or any of us, those sorts of uh, issues at that age. Just wasn't worried about it. Didn't really seem to affect me that much, and didn't get too concerned. I guess what I remember in my era, however, was the Iran hostage situation, and that did, just as an American, even at the age of a young age, it kind of peeved me to see that the images constantly being displayed on the television, little television, in my room in college, and it yeah, it make you mad, no doubt about that. Um, and on that basis, I felt like Carter needed to go, but more about that than anything. And, of course, we were dealing with crippling inflation as well. Uh, let's see here. Mo says he's been listening to us while he's cutting his grass. He just finished the three-acre yard. Now I can listen in comfort. Sounds good, Mo. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so C.J. and Madison says we need be better turnout. Both sides do, and that's always key. You're right about that. <clears throat> says the message is good, but the RNC could set up voting booth at gun shops. They really don't control that, though, um, C.J. Bust people to polls. The party can't do that. Private organizations can. 
I don't really think that's it. I, again, if you look at just a series of polls about specifically about policy, not candidates, the more left-leaning policies always win. Most people in this country believe that that uh, let's take taxes. That the wealthy need to pay more taxes. Corporations need to pay more taxes. They don't pay their fair share. Uh, Do they really believe that, high. or are they just parroting what they've been told? Well, now that's a good good point. Because one sure of the points he makes is that we need to have more of a, an outreach to the youth with online creators, and that's something that the Democrats do year in and year out. I mean, it was earlier this year that the Biden White House invited 40 or 50 different TikToker influencers up to the White House to strategize on getting their message out to the youth. The Republicans don't seem to do that. I, I agree with that, except I would just point out that this isn't a recent situation. This has been going on for a while, that, that they believe they support those, those policies. Most people, when you ask them, not just young people, overwhelmingly they say, yeah, we need to raise taxes on corporations and the wealthy. Just most people just want a pound of flesh. Let's, yep, make them pay more, dead gummit. They don't pay enough. And they support that without understanding what the consequences of that are. When you start drilling into the cause and effect and the consequences, yeah, you can get a little bit different response in position. But in general, most people believe that. Abortion is a key issue. It was in 2022. It's going to be a key issue coming up in 2024. And poll after poll show that 65 to 70 percent of people polled say, yeah, I support some form. And by the way, last night of abortion access to it, when you get above a certain, like the 15 weeks seems to be the, the pivotal number. When you get above 15 weeks, then it drops off. It, it goes in the opposite direction. 60 plus percent of those polls say, yeah, I don't support abortion past that. By the way, Trump was asked that question last night, and he would not, he would not um, declare that he would support a federal ban on abortion. Said no. And in fact, what he said is, what, what I would work for is something that would make everybody happy. That's what he said. Now, what would that be to make everybody happy? Because I think, I don't see that there is, is any solution to that that would produce that. I don't think there's any law that would make everybody happy on that matter. I'm talking specifically about abortion. There are people who believe there should be zero um, and there should be no uh, situations that would ever where abortion would be allowable. There are people that think it should be up to the last day of the final trimester. Um, it's, it's in, in everything in between. So I don't know how you get to a point that makes everybody happy on that particular one. Mr. G, what candidate do you see that can pull Republicans together? It's a good question there. Johnny and Tupelo asked that. I don't know that there is a candidate. So here's what I think. Tim Scott. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not about pulling Republicans together to win. It's about capturing the independence. I can't say that enough. You get all the Republicans vote Republican, all the Democrats vote Democrats, it's a tie. Then it comes down to the, the squishy 15, 20% that go either way. 
That's what's required. It's not that Republicans go to the polls and say, I just can't vote Republican. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like whomever. I don't like DeSantis, if he happens to be it, or even Tim Scott. I'm voting for the Democrat. That's not what happens. What, More importantly, what happens is independents who just vote for the person. That's what carries the White House. That's what, that's what wins the day in presidential elections. So the question is, who's the candidate that can capture the votes of the independents? In 2016, it was Donald Trump. That's why he won those swing states versus Hillary Clinton. He, she was not popular with the independents. It ain't hard to figure out why. He, he was. But I believe that in 2020, Trump wasn't very popular with the independents, not the way he was in 16. He had lost some of his stroke there. So I think he's trying to, he needs to focus on reclaiming that to win. So I, I just don't think he can, uh, any candidate, they just got to capture that squishy middle of, uh, of independence. And, the, and they need to do as Trump did in, in my view, in um, 16, which is park themselves in those swing states. And pull off those votes and appeal to those voters in those swing states. Because a Republican can spend their entire campaign in California and ain't going to change it. That 55 votes are going to the Democrat. A Democrat could spend all their time in Mississippi, and Mississippi six votes aren't going to a Democrat. So you see where I'm going with that? It's, gosh, I think as squishy as he was, I think. Romney could have won had he not made that fatal error. He, as I recall, like right before the election, he went to Colorado, which he lost, by the way, which was just dumb. And while I'm no big Romney fan, I would have preferred him over Obama at that time. Concerning the deficit issue, the best solution could be addressing the over 50% of folks who don't work across the country. If we could get half the number to work, that would greatly help everything. Our deficit crime, social social issues, our problems on the ceasefire tax line. Sure, the 50% of um, those who are capable of working, if they went to work, sure it would help. It wouldn't even remotely come close to, to addressing a teeny tiny infinitesimal fractional amount of the deficit, though, man. You've got to think in terms of trillions trillions. What you're talking about there is maybe a few hundred million. Maybe. I totally agree, though, it would address the crime problem and, and um, some of the other, mainly crime. I don't know about the social issues, but certainly crime and, and, that, and health, honestly, uh, which are very costly uh, to society. Uh, folks at work, generally speaking, are just healthier uh, than folks that aren't. So I, I agree with that, but as far as addressing the deficit, again, you got to have a serious conversation about cutting 30% of spending or producing more revenue or combinations to just, just like Social Security and PERS. Coming right back, the Element Well Studios at Carter Jewelers. Three. Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back. On Super Talk Mississippi. Be the great David Bowie 
Ziggy Stardust himself bumping us into this segment here on Middays. We are live at Carter Jewelers downtown Jackson. Joining us now with Carter Jewelers is Sherry. Sherry, welcome to the program. Thank you. All right, so uh, what are we selling today? We talked to Jay earlier. He says engagement rings and, uh, what do you say, bracelets are, are pretty popular for Mother's Day. What do you think? Uh, diamond earrings, bracelets. We have gemstones. We have a little bit of it all. We have sterling silver. We have a great promotion going on. You get a pop-up balloon and 10 to 30% off our lowest ticketed price. So he said his dad was going through the store yesterday marking everything down. Is that right? He has. Uh, we have, I think, the best prices in town. We have a lot of markdowns, up to 70% off. What about uh, stock? You got good selection? Uh, yes, sir. We have a lot of diamonds. We are stocked very deeply. Are we still seeing uh, kind of some constraints in product availability and shortages or long lead times in getting these products, or is that kind of cleaned up? <laughs> It's cleaned up some, and Mr. Jerry does such a great job of going out and buying and buying clothes out and always staying ahead of the game, so we're pretty well stocked for sure. Who typically shops for mothers when they come in? Is it, um, is it the mother's children? Is it uh, the husbands or a combination of the two? Who comes in? I'm seeing more husbands, but it is a combination of some, and I had a daughter shopping for her mother yesterday. Yeah, well, that's cool. So that's a pretty good gift for Mother's Day piece of jewelry, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> what woman don't like diamonds and gold? <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, how long have you been here? With I've been here almost four years. Okay. Uh, I, I observe you when you're working with the customers. You, you always um, have a smile on your face. You're very helpful and and uh, seem to have a lot of energy, and that, I think, uh, makes the customers comfortable because they come in. They don't, they don't always know. They're looking for somebody to help them and guide them through that process. Absolutely. We have a great staff here, and everybody is very good and helpful. So do some people, do they come in and say, I'm just looking for, for a gift. What can you what can you show me? What makes sense? And uh, What's your budget? What do you think she okay. would like? And Start asking questions. Questions, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and then you help them just direct them to various pieces, show those to them, and then they make a selection. Yes, and that's exactly how we do it, just show them a little bit of everything. So we got something else going on with Howl and Miles, right? Yes, you get a $25 gift card to Howl and Miles, and it doesn't expire until July. So go for lunch. They have some great food. I went Tuesday night, and it was fabulous. What uh, what Jay say that they've got the Country Club of Jackson Chef has moved yes. over there? Yes, his name is Damien, and it is, he is fabulous. I got the steak salad, and I highly recommend it. It was really good. So anybody that, do you have to buy a certain level, a certain amount? Um, it's just a $25 gift card, and you okay. just pay your tax and your gratuity. Okay. But, I mean, do they have to buy a certain amount of jewelry to get Oh, the card? no. Yeah. It's any purchase. Okay. It's any, any purchase. purchase. Any purchase. So good to go. What's more popular, gold or silver? It just depends on the customer. We're selling a lot of white gold. We're selling a lot of yellow gold. But, you know, we sell a little bit of it all. And typically, you try to um, get whatever kind of matches your other jewelry at the time. If you have some, you sort of stick with the white gold or the yellow gold, depending on what you may have. A lot of people have. do, and some people mix it. I might wear white gold one day and yellow gold the next. Okay. So I, I remember my mother was a, was a um, 
a white gold person, and all of her jewelry was white gold, and she pretty much stuck with that. So you, you kind of some move people around. mix it, and some people wear all of one color. So it just depends. We got all of it. Mm, that's pretty cool. So you can alternate. Well, so they need to come in and get one of each. Sure, <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds great. <laughs> what about any sort of special financing? Uh, yeah, we have a synchrony bank, and you can go up to eighteen months interest free with synchrony bank. We have ninety uh, ninety days same as cash with the SEMA, and we also have layaway, and you can get your discount and put your merchandise on layaway. Wow. Do you service customers? Do you see customers coming in from um, mainly from the Jackson area? Do you have customers that travel here from other parts of the we state? We get a well? lot from Simpson County, which really? surprised me when I started working here. Of course, we get you know Hines County and sure. Rankin, but you know there's not much down in the Simpson County area, and we get so much from Simpson County, which really shocks me. So they ought to come on in. Of course, you got the store in Vicksburg at yes, Pemberton sir. Square, right? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So, and you guys have been in business for a long time. Uh, Jerry and Jay always talk about that when yes, they come on. Yes, we are the oldest it's retailer incredible. in Mississippi for sure. That is incredible. And there's plenty of parking right here. It's easy uh, access yes, from the interstate. Hop off here on High Street, come on up, and right there before you get to the Capitol. Yes, sir. That's where we're located. Y'all come see us. The sale goes through Saturday. The last time I was in here, I think it was around Christmas, and there were members of the legislature in here buying some stuff. Oh, yeah. We get police departments. <laughs> we get people from everywhere. We get a lot of downtown business. We really do. That is awesome. Sherry, thanks for coming on telling us about all the good deals at Carter Jewelers. Well, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. We're okay. stepping aside for a break right here. It's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. After that, we've got David Ostrander, a realtor. We'll talk about these new mortgage rules and just the housing market in general. Stay with us. To the show that challenges you to think, deeply to think deeply and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone, hour three of middays, live in the Element Well Studios, direct from Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. We're here because Mother's Day is rapidly approaching, coming up this Sunday, and they've got the balloon sale going on. Uh, you pop a balloon, get a, uh, a discount that is added to the already very affordable prices for all the jewelry in the store here. Come by and see us. Joining us now, David Ostrander, a realtor here in central Mississippi. Good to see you, David. Thanks for coming in. Man, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. You bet. So we wanted to get you on to give us kind of an update on the status of uh, the housing industry, the residential housing industry, where you, where you work. What's that look like these days? It's picked up a lot lately. So the first quarter, I think across the board, seemed to have been pretty um, 
slow across the board. I mean, we di we didn't see near the amount that we saw last year, at least in the first quarter. Yeah. The last four to five weeks have picked up almost like it was before. Hmm. And um, did it slow down, do you think, primarily because of mortgage rates increasing, home prices increasing, maybe inventory availability, all the above? All the above. And yeah. so, you know, the hot topic has been increase in interest rates. Sure. And so... I think last time I was on the show, actually, we talked about the increase in interest rates, and, and I mentioned that it's just going to take some time to stabilize, and people just get to realize that that's the normal. Mm -hmm. It's going to, it's going to, that under 5%, 3.5% is not normal. And so we finally have gotten to a place where things have kind of hovered where they are, and people are starting to realize that that's just, that's the normal rate now, so you move or stay. So what that then uh, results? in is a, a person that, that qualifies for a, for a home, obviously, from a financial perspective, uh, for a mortgage, maybe they buy less house That's because right. to offset the increase uh, of the mortgage rate, which, of course, increases their, their mortgage. So when you combine the, the, the amount, the principal that you're financing with the mortgage rate, you buy less house. But the bigger concern I have is, and, and just get you to talk about this, is those that may just get pushed out altogether, that they just mm. can't not find a property that uh, that they can qualify for uh, even at the low end of the scale because rates are up yep yeah that that bumped out a lot of people and and we consider too that there were a lot of people who were purchasing more house than they probably should have because they were qualifying at a time that interest rates were historically low yeah and and so they probably you know they had opportunities that that they have never had before and probably won't ever have again yeah and then the other side of that is people who were qualifying at three and a half percent, four and a half percent, now we're today is at six point seven or excuse it? me, six point five seven. Came down um, a little bit. Came down a little bit. Yeah. Um, six point five seven on a thirty year fixed rate. Mm -hmm. And people who are at four and a half percent may not can qualify anymore. Yeah. Uh, you think that you have a feeling for, does your industry have a feeling for where we may ultimately settle? Um, you know, if we get the Fed pivoting and starting to pull rates back again uh, down from the present Fed funds rate of around 5%, maybe that pulls down to 3%, the 10-year uh, tracks to that matches up with that. And it's the 10-year that drives mortgage rates, 10-year treasury. Right. It's based on that. So maybe we settle down in the four and a half to five percent mortgage rate. I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and historically, though, in the last well, I say historically as in the last couple years, every prediction that's been made has been wrong almost. <laughs> and, and so we're going where we're going to go up, and then some people are saying we're going to pull back down, and it's going to be five, five and a half again. Yeah. Um, most people that I talk to are saying that we may not see under five again. Really? Um, so five, five and a half may be totally doable. Wow. Four and a half percent, we just don't know. But again, everybody's throwing, you know, wow. we're just throwing numbers out there trying to hypothetically guess. The bigger concern in conversation lately has been these LLPAs, the loan level pricing yeah, adjustments. Talk about that. We discussed that on the show here before it ever made it to the mainstream news. Rhino and I were talking about it. <laughs> I remember. And so, good news is a piece of the LLPAs has been withdrawn. They rescinded yesterday. Yesterday. Um, the, the, the upfront fees that they were charging for over 40% debt-to-income ratios uh, 
has been rescinded. Right. They've also deferred these LLPAs till August 1st, which gives a little more time to change some things up. But I'll tell you, this week, uh, the National Association of Realtors, as well as the Mortgage Brokers Association, have been lobbying hard in Washington, D.C. So there's, I anticipate some changes to be made, even with what's still in place, between now and August 1st. I just suspect that they will. So for the audience, loan level price Mm -hmm. adjustment, that's LLPAs. And those are those are upfront fees. So it, it's a little confusing in that the the rule proposed doesn't say well if you got lower credit scores and, and a, a higher loan to value, uh, your mortgage rates going to be lower than those with higher credit scores and lower loan to values. It's not really that. It's that it's an adjustment of the fees. That's right. Which then get incorporated into the principal, mm-hmm. and that then imputes the mortgage rate. From exactly. That. Yeah. That's exactly right. You so, said that way better than. I would have. Well, so so they came out yesterday and said, yeah. "Oh, maybe we need to think about this a little bit more." And I and I had seen a huge backlash from the industry. Said this is just wrong, mm-hmm. and this is going to cause problems for us. So they sort of thought through it again. I, I was guess. actually surprised at how much backlash they got. You know, there was because some of these organizations at the very highest level have some some left-leaning tendencies. Big time. And so I was actually a little surprised to see that they were I, I kicking back at the at this because essentially what they're doing is is allowing a subsidy from the higher qualifying yep. borrowers to the lower qualifying borrowers. And um and look, here's the thing, nobody's kicking back on helping those right, borrowers. Right. It's when you're taking from somebody right. else to do it that's the problem. That I, I agree. And so we should also point out this only applies to loans that are uh, have Federal Housing Agency, Freddie Mac right. and Fannie, Fannie Mae, Mae mm-hmm. associated with them as well. So, um, and, it, and it doesn't apply to existing mortgages. Correct. This would be new mortgages Correct. being originated. Mm-hmm. Wherever the rules land, which I guess at this point we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And, and, man, every mortgage loan officer I've talked to is going, we just don't know what to do with yeah, this. That's and that's the problem. is The uncertainty. Yeah, the Federal Housing Finance Agency has just rolled this out expecting that it could just be done. And Never. everybody's going, what in the world are we supposed to do yeah. with this? And so the good news is that they... It gives some hope for our side of things. First of all, on the lobbying side, to say apparently it's working a little bit, but they've with, they've rescinded as of yesterday at least a piece of it, and so it gives us some idea that they are kind of looking and going. Hold up a sec. They're listening at least, I yeah. guess I should say. And so the rule that was implemented May one, essentially, mm-hmm. if you had a 740 and uh, mm-hmm. credit score, and you were putting out 15 percent financing 80. Five percent of the uh, price of the home fee used to be 0.25 percent. Right. They raised it to one percent. Four X. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yep. It's crazy. So you take care of your financial affairs, and you and you're putting down 15 percent, which is mm-hmm. into itself fairly unusual, is it not? Yeah. Usually don't mm-hmm. see 15 percent. Five to ten. Yeah, I, I would say the majority is somewhere between five and ten. Okay. Yeah. So you got a 15 percent down mm-hmm. payment. Because it's hard, yep. especially if you're a, a new home buyer, it's hard to accumulate that kind of money 
to go put down on a house. Mm-hmm. And and what they're pushing for, what borrowers are pushing for, is to get rid of of the insurance that comes when you pay in twenty percent. So when if you hit twenty percent, you can get rid of the PMI, the right. private mortgage insurance. So that's what you know. If people are getting to fifteen percent, they're really pushing for that twenty, no just doubt. to get rid of that private PMI. mortgage insurance. And that's gone up some as well. It's gone up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And of course that that just covers a a, a default essentially. That's right. Uh, any sort of event that uh, would cause the mortgage to uh, uh, become delinquent and not be payable mm-hmm. uh, by the borrower. That's right. The insurance pays it on their behalf. That's right. And and for the listeners who, who may need to know this, FHA loans, it doesn't matter how much you pay in, it's for the life of the loan. Ah, so even if you. any other loan that you get, you pay in 20%, it yes. can go away. An FHA loan, Good point. you can... It, no matter how much you pay, Forever. now they'll give you a lower down payment on that loan, and that's the that's the uh, give and take on it, uh, right? Gotcha. So you can give a lower down payment to get that loan, and it the, the PMI on it is for the life of the loan. Okay, so explain to the audience FHA-backed loans. These are still handled by private mortgage lenders. Yes. Right? Yep. I yep. mean, it's not like you're borrowing from the government. You're That's not right. dealing with the government. That's right. right. There are investors behind the scenes for all of this and, and that are buying it. And that's where, um, you know, that's how they're funded. That's yep. how these loans are funded. Got it. Got it. Appreciate it. David, appreciate you coming on and talking about that. Oh, Good man. stuff. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank yep. you. Good to see you. We're coming right back. We got sticks bumping us out of this segment here. The Element Well Studios are down at Carter Jewelers, downtown Jackson. Stay with us. Covering the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Petty bumping us into this segment of Middays. We are live in downtown Jackson at Carter Jewelers. Appreciate David uh, coming in and running down the stuff that's going on in the real estate business with uh, mortgage rates trending upward as they have over the last year. That has certainly change the dynamics in that industry and then these new mortgage rules uh, it was interesting that they just got implemented may one some of these new rules and then shortly thereafter as in yesterday they rescinded part of it and they got so much pushback from the industry from the mortgage lending industry specifically and realtors that um, FHFA, the Federal Housing Finance Agency Director Sandra Thompson said the agency, quote, will provide additional transparency on the process for setting single family guarantee fees and will request public input on this issue. So they're 
Sounds like they're having uh, a little reservations about what they're doing here. And I think that's good. Donald in Oxford on the ceasefire text line says, Gee, just listened to Delbert's ad and thought I would tell you I saw Delbert at Double Decker Festival. That would be in Oxford. He walked up to Jay Hughes and they talked for a while. And like they were long lost best friends, odd but nice to see. Jay, of course, was the Democrat uh, opposition for Lieutenant Governor when Lieutenant Governor Hosman was elected in 2019. Jay from the Oxford area used to serve in the state senate, I believe, as I recall. That's interesting. Tim and McGee says, I'm with Rhino, but hasn't that been drilled in the kids' heads in schools, especially colleges, how Republicans are bad in the last 15 years? Yet I don't think it's so much that, Tim. I think it's just the political philosophy and the philosophy of government is what they've been indoctrinated to. And, and what really gets their attention is the Democrats very effectively point out the income gap and income inequality. They just pounce on that. And they basically propose, or not propose, they um, uh, advocate this idea that uh, and promote the idea that's the word I'm looking for promote the idea that capitalism is the reason for income inequality well yeah that's true I can, you could say that but the only thing you're equal that you're entitled to on an equal basis in a system of a pure system of capitalism is an opportunity that's it you're not entitled to anything more and that many object to that they Got this idea that, well, I don't want to sacrifice. We've discussed it many times before. The left now promotes this idea that delayed gratification, meaning years of, of sacrifice and effort and work and risk, well, you, that shouldn't be required to achieve some degree of, of wealth and uh, income uh, stability. That shouldn't be required. It just should happen naturally. Delayed gratification is, is, con, is not considered a good thing. And that's completely wrong in my view. And, it, and, of course, capitalism really doesn't care. What capitalism says is if you produce value such that the market is willing to embrace whatever it is you're producing and pay you for it, enough of that makes you rich. <laughs> it, it's an opportunity. Everybody has that opportunity. And what they're teaching, I'm afraid... More, um, more widely in the schools, in our schools, is that it's a bad system because it produces this income inequality and it's exploitative. We shared the um, the tape of the city councilwoman in Denver that said she supported the idea of taxing the white-owned businesses at a much higher rate than the minority-owned businesses and just use the word, redistributing those tax dollars to the minority-owned businesses to help them out. That's an example. We've got the Colorado Teachers Unions that has now adopted a resolution denouncing capitalism. we got Senator Bernie Sanders running around the country bashing. Of course, he always has. It's nothing new for him, but he's written a book about it now. He's happy to take in all the income from the sale of the book, which is 
an example of capitalism, but it's, it's, it's so rich, isn't it? Let me go around the country making money in our capitalistic society discussing how bad capitalism is. It's just incredible. We talked about the lecturer at um, a school yesterday that got paid $25,000 to talk bad about capitalism. So, it, again, it's transferism is what they want. They want it to be transferred from one group to another. And I think the kids like that as well. They like the idea of transferism. And... Um, I think the left has very effectively demonized those who have attained success in society, both at the individual and corporate level. They just paint them. And it's kind of easy to do if you think about it. It's the big, powerful, rich corporations have got all the wealth, and, and, and that is obstructing you from achieving the same, which is just complete horse hockey. Ben from Madison says... It's really important for Republicans to figure out how they can win over more independence. It's the only way you can win the White House. And that, by the way, that applies to both parties. It's all about which party can more effectively capture the independent vote. Look no further than Nancy Mace, says Ben, in a swing district in South Carolina. She flipped that district red, and she is not shy talking about issues Republicans don't like talking about but are very important to many independents. She has proven Republicans can win over independents in swing districts. Seems the party should take a hard look at how she does it. I did notice that when Representative James Comer from Kentucky, who's led the committee effort in the House to investigate the improper payments from China to the Biden family, she was also went to the mic and made some remarks and was to his left immediately in, in view in the, in the camera shots of, of uh, that presser, that press briefing after the hearing. She, of course, also is a staunch proponent of legalizing recreational marijuana. Really, I guess it's, that would be the result, but what she is pushing for from a legislative perspective, I think, is authored a bill to deschedule, to remove cannabis from the Schedule 1 maintained by the FDA, which is what essentially makes marijuana illegal for federal purposes and brings up all these rather convoluted issues, especially as it pertains to medical marijuana. So I just think that the that this idea of it just being a, a, a free-for-all, freedom of equal opportunity as opposed to equal outcomes and having those opportunities to pursue your dreams and, and uh, if, if you choose to do so, uh, work to attain wealth, that just doesn't seem to resonate with so many in this country. They just want the people who have done that to just to give some of theirs up to others. And that polls very highly. It's kind of sad in my view. It's, it, it, it's what made the country great. It's what they want to get rid of. Does the left support equal pay for all in the NBA and NFL? Gary in the Berg asked. It's an interesting question, Gary. They never talk about, and we discussed that as well, they never talk about professional athletes or 
artists, performers. They don't talk about that. And I shared a um, an account of an interview that I saw the other day of uh, on the streets of New York talking about all the various DEI efforts and one of the individuals they interviewed was asked about if he thought those were fair where essentially public sector private sector institutions are engaged in discrimination discrimination in granting preferential treatment to minorities in hiring and compensating promoting if he thought that was fair oh absolutely we've got to atone for past oppression Okay, but what about in professional sports? And he said, oh, no, we can't do that. There's a limited pool. It's a different pool of people that play professional sports than are working in business or, or even public sector institutions. I just shook my head and said, why is that different? It's not different. Sports is a business. Sports is a business. And they only make money in sports if they put a product on the floor or field that people will pay for. It's capitalism. We're stepping aside for a break right here. Half an hour remaining in the program live from Carter Jewelers in downtown Jackson. Bring it on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. everyone midday super talk mississippi live from carter jewelers downtown jackson the owner of carter jewelers jerry lake now our guest in the element well studios right down here on high street in the carter jewelers store all right jerry what's going on <laughs> well we got a i was just telling jordan a little earlier that we last year we made what i believe is probably the biggest purchase possibly in our 173 years in business and uh, anyway, uh, we've we still have a lot of that jewelry, and and I've got a clearance sale that I, I think is probably one of the best that we've ever had. And uh, today and 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 Friday and Saturday, uh, not only the the best prices in these clearance prices that I think we've ever had, but you you pop a balloon, and you're going to get an extra discount. On top of that, up to thirty percent. It's uh, let me tell you, it, it's the best prices anywhere, and then you're going to get another discount on top of that. It's really the the deals are they're smoking hot. Really, it's uh, it's it's great, great deals. Any every purchase, we're giving away lunch for two at Hallamals. Uh I think uh, selection-wise, I I don't I don't think uh, you're going to find a better selection in the region. And it's it's beautiful jewelry. It's it's priced. Let me tell you, it is not priced to sell. This this jewelry is is incredibly incredibly priced. Well, I mean, we're we're I'm 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 needing to to sell off enough to get our our inventory down where it needs to be. And uh, I've done this by just marking uh, prices down, and then for a few days you get this balloon pop discount, and it really adds up to just some big-time bargains. 
and also, you know, out in Howland Miles, it's under new ownership. The uh, the 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 owner was the uh, former chef at Jackson Country Club, Chef Damien, and. Uh, I hear the food over there is, is just, not that it wasn't good before with Hal and Mal's, but I think right now he's taking it to a new level. We're giving away lunch for two with every purchase. So, uh, you know, Mother's Day's coming up, and, you know, you you got a, a lot of you have got the, the, the mother of your children and your mother, and uh, it's, you know, it's a, a good time that you can uh, show those special people how much you love them. But at this sale... You, you may want to buy extra jewelry for, like, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, because hmm. these, these sale prices are not going to uh, – we can't sell at these prices on, on normal business. So it's, uh, this, is, this is really in, some incredible prices. So you got plenty of selection. It, it sure looks like I, it to me when I, mean, when I walk around. I mean, I, I've been told by – some customers that I select, we got more than everybody in Jackson put together, which <laughs> I, I hadn't been in the store. But I, I will tell you, the selection is really terrific, and our, our prices are, are, are great. And uh, and even though I had to, I didn't have to, but I bought a lot last year. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, I'll I'll end up when I do make large buys like this, uh, what I don't sell here at the store, I'll. I will sell to like uh, wholesalers or liquidators, hmm. and uh, but but right now I've got it I've got it marked down to where it's 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 really attractive prices, and I don't know where you are in anywhere in the state, but I think it, if you have any kind of appetite for a, a nice gift, you know, for Mother's Day or or an engagement ring, it, it'd be worth your time to to take a ride over here. It's uh it's really a this is probably as long as I've owned the business, I bought it in '97. I, I I think this is the best sale that we've ever had, and I'd be surprised that if there was ever a better sale in, in the, from the other three owners before me, dating back to 173 years ago. So anyway, that's my that's my take on it. And I, I you, sh you should. What's come. popular? Well, we're, let we me had Sherry you. on earlier, by the yeah. way. She did a great job. Did she? Yeah, yeah. she is great. She's a great lady. Uh, engagement rings. That's we sell. We sell so many engagement rings, uh, and uh, you know it's uh, of course diamond diamond bands and and uh, well a lot of diamond earrings. Uh, I think the couple that just walked out a minute ago, I think they had a, a diamond bracelet. But uh, you know pendants, uh, earrings, uh, ruby sapphire emerald. We sell a lot of semi precious uh, and diamond, and uh, it's. Uh, of course, this isn't a time when we sell a lot of men's jewelry. It's uh, you know, it's Mother's Day, but uh, you know, we we do sell a lot of uh, men's uh, uh, wedding bands, diamond bands, also. Hmm. You know, our our main business, my my whole background was in in diamond jewelry. I, I represented uh, some of the best diamond jewelry manufacturers, uh, importers. And the the biggest uh, diamond jewelry and just fine jewelry liquidator in the country. So uh, you know I've I've got a uh, I've got experience in in making a lot of these and uh, making deals and 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 knowing how to how to sell product at the right price. So uh, 
you know, it's... Uh, so you, you rely on your experience from working in the well, industry on that side of it? Yeah. To I, translate that into the retail uh, business? Let me tell you, and I bought, in the past, I bought out a lot of jewelry stores where they've gone out of business. Yep. But I've got, right now, I've got a, a contact with the, uh, the world's biggest diamond jewelry manufacturer that when they close things out, you know, I, I'm able to buy this, pick it out, prime jewelry, uh, at at prices, <laughs> at, at prices that that I can sell to some of the liquidators and, and the wholesalers, and still make money, but run it through the store first, and uh, you know sell the best stuff through here. Mm-hmm. But this last time I did buy way way more than what I I really ever bought before. But uh, it adds up to, if you got some appetite for for jewelry, I mean even though we've sold a lot, we have just a ton of of jewelry to sell at and yeah and after your question you know it you you learn a lot Th- these guys i work for they were <laughs> jewish guys out of boston mm-hmm. they had extremely uh well capitalized but uh yeah we uh we made bids on uh lots of jewelry all all over the world <laughs> and uh we, we bought from manufacturers when they get in it like sometimes they'll get into a cash flow buying and all we, we would uh, you know we'd go in and, and and buy that product i got involved in buying and also selling of of that it was uh yeah i, I learned i learned a lot from these those guys sure they were, one was a south african guy and they were both graduated from harvard and uh they were they were good nice guys and and just they knew a lot about fine jewelry and how to make money at it so uh yeah they, they taught me a lot what what do you think would be something good for Mother's Day? What's a good gift? Well, I, you know, it's a, a a diamond ring, diamond pendant, diamond earrings. Uh, those are those are really seem to be really popular. And uh, you know, also we got a lot of un, unusual kind of a, a diamond and color pieces. And you know, also. I buy a lot of estate jewelry, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of buy it the same way as I, I buy this other. And uh, it's uh, when when we get it, the majority of it, I'll have to run through my shop, and and we kind of refurbish it and retip it to where, you know, if we sell it here out of the store, it's it's got to be something that uh, we're going to be proud to sell. And it's going to hold up, but uh, you know, I do that the same way as I do the other jewelry, you know. What what sells, what sells through our stores? We sell. What what doesn't sell? I don't hold jewelry. I, I do the same with that. I you know I, I I wholesale it to liquidators. I turn it into cash. A lot of this stuff at the tail end, I'll break and I'll melt it and pull the stones out. So hmm. I mean you know it's uh we there's a lot of that to be done also. Gotcha. So uh, you know it's there are uh, uh, that's kind of the way. I do business. You know, there was a customer that was in and wanted to know how in the world while I was selling the engagement ring for the price because so many of these these uh, diamond jewelry manufacturers for the semi mount without the center stone. You know, the the jeweler has to charge. They have to get more for the semi mount with no center than what we're selling the complete pieces for. Hmm. And uh, and and the reason for that is, I have so much of that stuff. I'll that jewelry I'll have I'll have manufactured. To my specifications, and you cut out a, a, these a lot of the manufacturers and brands. Before, by the time it gets to the jeweler, uh, they'll end up paying double what the actual cost of producing the piece is. Whereas when I go directly to the manufacturer, 
and I, I specify really the best quality possible to make a piece. We're we're able to get into the piece uh, sometimes like half of what the, uh, a, a a branded manufacturer w would be selling to to like a regular jeweler for, which enables us to sell it at a better price. We can either uh, sell it at a better price and or in, increase our margins. Gotcha. That kind of stuff is never I never liquidate that because it's all prime prime stuff. It's things we know that we can sell and turn. So makes sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Since all right. We got a break right here. We're coming right back. We'll talk yeah. some more. Yeah. On the other side, maybe you can talk about uh, the financing yeah. and uh, again yeah. the promotion you got going on with Howlin' Mouse. We're coming right yeah. back okay. in the Element Well Studios down at Carter Jewelers. Stay with us. With Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Carter Jewelers, it is it is a Thursday. What day is that, Rhino? Friday Eve. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Tomorrow we are at Itawamba Community College. Um, and also coming up today on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you'll hear an interview with longtime radio DJ Chuck Ego. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by visitmississippi.org. All right, uh, so we got Jerry Lake, the owner of Carter Jewelers here uh, in the Carter Jewelers store on High Street. All right, so you were just telling me that lunchtime you see a lot of traffic come in the, in the store uh, because they're taking lunch off from work and so forth, come in. Your folks help them out. They can pop a balloon and get additional discount layered onto already. Uh, attractive, significant markdowns, right? You've already marked it down. That's what I heard. That's what Sherry told me. You went around the store yeah, marking everything yeah, down. Yeah. Let me tell. Now you're adding more to it. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> this, I, this is like this is like a clearance sale, and uh, I bought a, I bought a ton of stuff last year from like the, the the world's biggest diamond jewelry manufacturer. Closeouts at really some incredible prices, and we still have a lot of that. Our inventory is bulging. And so, uh, you know, you, it, when you buy a lot, you, you you got to sell a lot. I got I got some terms, and uh, you know, those we're we're uh, in order to kind of balance our inventory and get things paid off. Uh, so anyway, I've I, I lowered our prices, uh, and and I was as long as I've owned this store for I think about 25 years, uh, I can tell you this is the best deals we've ever had on on uh, jewelry. It's uh and, and most of uh, everything I bought was was diamond jewelry and it's uh 
Uh, it's it's just the, the the deals are better than they've ever been, and then the balloon pop is something we've kind of traditionally done at Mother's Day, where you get extra discounts of up to thirty percent. I mean, look, the, the, there is no place I know of that you can buy this jewelry uh, for the prices we've got it marked. And after the balloon pop is over, I mean, this clearance—they're uh, not going to get any lower. We, you know, we're going to—we're going to sell as much as we can, and then uh, typically, uh, what I'll do is I would my excesses I would uh, I would sell to like some wholesalers or or some liquidators, and, and I used to represent the, the 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 biggest jewelry liquidator in the country. They're out of Boston, uh, and before that, I, I represented like some of the best diamond jewelry manufacturers and and importers so uh in, but right now you you can come in and you will you, you there was a, a, a lady that was in and she was looking at a piece she said you know I, I saw a piece almost just like this and it's just for the mounting without the center stone and it was more money <laughs> and and she wanted to know you know how we how we do that it's uh i, I go to like like some of the biggest and best manufacturers and I have it produced to our specifications and uh, I don't go out and buy you know from a from some branded company that you know they've got tons of all the marketing costs and everything else I got I, I have it produced directly from the best manufacturers and then we sell it at, at close prices and uh, the other jewelers will pay for just the mounting as much as we, you know, as much as we'll have the piece complete with the center center stones and everything, and the quality is, uh, it's the best quality ever known to the jewelry industry. But you know, in addition to that, when I do when I do buy the closeouts, from from the my I have contact with they're the world's biggest diamond jewelry manufacturer, uh, and I used to buy a lot of uh, uh, stores where they. They had gone out of business and closed, and I'd advertise and sell their products. But I, I am, I'm, I am doing so good with uh, this one particular manufacturer, and the, the amount of closeouts they have, and the prices they're willing to sell out, is it's just it it allows us to sell at some incredibly good deals. And then when we go to market down and close it out, I mean, it really gets sweet. And uh, then you add a, some balloon pop discounts on top of that. I mean, you know, it, you, 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 should, you should come if you have an appetite for jewelry, tell your friends, because I tell you, this gorgeous jewelry at incredible deals. And with the uh, sale you got going on, you said they should go ahead and buy for the next, uh, you know what? next gifts as well. You, you got know, about 30 it, seconds left. Yeah, it, you're going to have occasions where you're going to be needing jewelry, you know, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas. You got daughters, uh, sure. So you know, you ought to come in and take a look. I mean, uh, right. it's it's uh, the I don't. It's the best. It's the best sale we've ever had, and it's probably the best sale that this store has had in the last 173 years in existence. Anyway, appreciate it, Jim. Yeah, thank, thank you, man. Jordan. Thanks for having us. Uh -huh. We're down here at Carter Jewelers. That's a wrap for today. We're going to be at Itawama Community College tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.